construction, golf news, equipment, travel, interviews, course profiles, and more. Your weekly fix of all things golf is about to begin. It's the Flagstick Podcast with your hosts, Jeff Bonner and Scott McLeod. Well, welcome golfers to the inaugural first episode of Flagstick Podcast, uh, presented by TaylorMade Golf Canada, introducing Stealth with Carbon Face for better energy transfer and more ball speed. Welcome to the Carbon Wood Age. To learn more, visit taylormadegolf.ca. Well, I am your host, or at least one half your hosting crew, Jeff Botter, publisher of Flagstick Golf Magazine and flagstick.com. And with me this episode and all episodes beyond is my very good longtime friend, Scott McLeod. Scott, it's here. It's here. The uh, day is here. <laughs> kind of excited uh, to get this started. Uh, it's been a few weeks since been doing any uh, podcasts, even guesting, hosting or whatever. And uh yeah, kind of excited. We've talked about this for a long time. I think uh, 2009, we actually talked yeah. about an annual general meeting. We talked about doing a podcast. Uh, we've done a bunch of different episodes, little things before where we're on trips and things like that, but uh, not a full on podcast. So it's not to together. Started. No, not, not together. together. Like, yeah, yeah. We've so, we've uh, we've done our we've done podcasts separately. Uh, yes. you know, under the flagstick banner, uh, for a while. And, uh, and, and now we're finally getting the chance. I, I gotta say, I mean, I got the, I got the belly flutter going on here and I don't, <laughs> I don't know why it's not like, it's not like I've never done this before. It's, yeah. it's, it shouldn't, the nerves shouldn't be quite as bad, but, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, got the butterflies going, you know, and, I, and just really, really excited to get going with this thing. Yeah, I think the uh, the thing is, when you look back over the history of things, I mean, you had a radio show for a while, yeah. Fairways and Flagsticks on CFRA in Ottawa. And then, uh, obviously, we both guested on numerous shows, uh, be it on TSN, CBC, whatever, many, many times. But uh, it's always interesting when you're kind of doing your own thing. And as you mentioned, you know, you had the 613 Golfer podcast, which was a regional focus that you were doing. And uh, I had been doing the T-Talk podcast for the last three years. Uh, you know, it was fun and everything, but now we're sort of coming together and doing our thing together uh, in the vein of Flagstick. And, you know, people might not be familiar uh, with everything Flagstick. Some people are, but obviously the publication has been around for 25 plus years now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've been doing it that whole time and we've been friends yeah. for 30 plus years. So I'm excited to get going as well. It's uh, It's been a crazy run and and it's, it's you know, it's it's the it's a progression too. And it's you know, I know I, I hate using the word pivoting all the time, but this is just the the nature of the way things have gone over the last couple of years. Is we we really have as a as a as a media entity, and particularly as a regional media entity in 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 golf, to to change direction so many times in the last couple of years and sit and talk about okay, what's the next step? What do we have to do? What's the right moves to make? You know, for ourselves and and also for uh, for our our marketing partners that we've had for years and. And doing this podcast, the way we're doing it, or the way we're, you know, we're, we were going to go about doing it, seemed to be the most logical, uh, logical direction for us to go. Yeah, and uh, you know, people uh, want to have information, stories, and so forth, and they want to have it delivered in different ways. And we've continued to progress over the years, as you mentioned, uh, you know, starting with a print publication, go to a website, and then, you know, bursting onto the scene as far as our social media stuff and doing that. I mean, uh, Twitter, I think 14 years now, 
uh, 67,000 tweets in that sort of neighborhood. It's crazy. Uh, you know, digital publications, all sorts of different things. And you're right. This is sort of the next evolution for us, uh, providing coverage, providing stories about, you know, things that are happening uh, locally, regionally, you know, without within Canada as well, all about the golf scene and, uh, you know, being able to deliver it this way. Yeah, it's fun too. And I think, uh, I think the listeners and the viewers, because uh, obviously we have a few different formats here, uh, <laughs> Uh, I think it's going to be a fun time. Yeah, I do too. And uh, so with that, why don't we, uh, you know, we're going to get into some things a little bit later, uh, later on in the first part of the, uh, of the podcast, but why don't we kind of set up how this podcast is going to work with the format, because it really is kind of a merging of the best of both worlds from T-Talk and from 613 Golfer into one podcast. And there's going to be some components of the podcast that are going to be pretty much uh, um, regular segments. Um, and then there's going to be obviously some other things that we'll add in. But, you know, I guess one of the first things is is that uh, the first part of every podcast that we do, for the most part, is going to be what we call the front nine. And, you know, the front nine is kind of a, um, a discussion point. It's, you know, things that have gone on over the past week, uh, maybe even a little bit, you know, that things that we might have missed from one podcast to the next and, you know, just some general discussion about golf throughout the region, throughout the province. We'll touch on things across the country. But what else are we going to be, uh, you know, what else are we going to be focusing on? Yeah, I mean, there'll be a lot of new stuff that's involved there. Uh, you know, some coverage of different things that are happening with different associations, be it, you know, the OBGA, Golf Ontario, Golf Quebec, Golf Canada, uh, PGA of Canada, PGA of Ottawa, all those sorts of things in that in that front nine. Any news stories that are coming out of golf courses, you know, openings, um, you know, human resource changes as far as staffing, uh, events. You know, we obviously, uh, you know, we attract a number of top quality events to uh, the region that we're in. And we're, we are based in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Uh, and you know what? There's always something to talk about. We have some great things like the CP Women's Open coming this year yeah. to Ottawa. Uh, we've got the Canadian Junior Girls Championship coming to Ottawa this year. So we'll always have uh, some content coming from those things, uh, different stories. And obviously that'll play out too into our interviews that we may or may not feature on, on well, the podcast. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and, you know, and in, including those, and that'll be all part of the content. And I think people, uh, you know, if they get to be familiar with flagstick.com and go to our website and see that, they'll see we cover a wide range of topics. Uh, and you know what, we're going to just provide a different venue to be able to talk about those and discuss them, you know, share some more points beyond just the headlines. Exactly. And, 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 you know, obviously one of the things that over the years we've become very known for is, uh, is you know, our, our knowledge your knowledge in particular, but our knowledge overall of, of golf equipment and, and products that are on the market. So we're going to have a section or a segment called Product Watch that kind of mimics, again, a lot of what the podcast is going to feature on a regular basis, uh, kind of lines up with what we have done in the magazine over the last 25 years and what we continue to do uh, on flagstick.com. We'll also obviously feature the lesson tee with the, with Kevin Haim and uh and and some instruction every single episode as well and and we're going to have some guests on now we may not have guests every single episode it really depends on you know what we want to do what we have to talk about what what ends up being in the front nine but we're going to have some interesting guests on from from show to show and uh you know i think it's just going to be all around i think people are going to get a good variety of of uh of what's going on in the golf world and i think they're going to be really excited by a lot of the stuff that they hear or that they see if they happen to be tuning in on the uh, on the YouTube channel. 
Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, being able to deliver it both in audio on, you know, Apple, Spotify, platforms like that, YouTube as well, so people can get the visuals. So obviously, then that's uh, impactful when we start dealing with things like, you know, product watch. And as you mentioned, uh, mentioned the, the lesson T with, with Kevin Haim, I think people should realize that, you know, the cool part for us is that we have a deep background in the golf industry, uh, be it, you know, marketing, publishing, uh, golf operations, uh, you know, you're an honorary director for the PGA of Ottawa. I'm a class A member of the PGA of Ottawa. Uh, so we, you know, this is just not a couple of talking heads getting together and saying, hey, <laughs> no. let's do a podcast. Uh, you know, we've got a good depth of experience here. And, and you know what? That's going to be a fun part of the show as well. Is it's getting people's interactions and asking us specific questions or inquiring about certain things. Because, uh, you know, that may shape what we do in regards to shows as well. I mean, as you mentioned, the front nine is going to be full of all sorts of things, but, you know, we could certainly be shaping shows around a certain topic that comes up that, you know, we have a level of expertise in that we can comment on. And, you know, we do have the ability to comment on and we're just not providing uh, an opinion, although it's an opinion of sorts, but at least an educated opinion on particular subjects that are important in the world of golf these days. Well, and the thing is too, that we, we don't want, I mean, while any kind of show like this is a, you know, there's, there's a little bit of scripting that goes, goes along with it because you got to try to somehow follow some kind of pattern or you'd be rambling on forever. Um, but we want this to be sort of a very, uh, uh, unscripted discussion. We, we, we're not sitting here rehearsing weeks ahead of time, what we're going to say and how we're going to say it. And, and, uh, you know, what kind of banter there's going to be the, you know, we want things to be very, uh, I don't even say loosey goosey. I'm kind of an we'll off the wall kind of we'll guy. Or, we'll call it organic. Morning. Yes. Very organic. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a very off the wall guy knows what's going to come out of my mouth from time to time. And, you know, so, so who knows? I mean, the things that, yeah. the things that could be said and the things that could be discussed could be really interesting to people. So, um, you know, I'm really excited and, uh, and I, I want to, I want to get going on this, uh, right away. All right. Well, why don't we get to it? Why don't we, uh, we head for the front nine? Yeah, exactly. So as we're going to head to the front nine is, uh, presented by Metcalf golf club, looking for uh, fun golf at a great rate, say 15% when you prepay Visit MetcalfGolf.com to book a natural setting of Pleasant Challenge, Metcalf Golf Club. And uh, so here we go. Front nine, Scott. Uh, let's get right into some of the, uh, you know, the, the topics we want to talk about. I mean, I guess one of the big things that people are going to find out, um, you know, and, and this is the Flagstick podcast. So there is going to be discussion about Flagstick from time to time. And maybe a little bit more so the first part of the front nine with this episode, because as a company, uh, Flagstick Golf Magazine is taking a very uh, different approach to uh, to how we bring the golf news to people this year, and and I guess there's no there's no easy way to to kind of say it, but um, the print version of Flagstick Golf Magazine is uh, is no more. It's it's done, um, and there also is not going to be a digital uh, version of the magazine itself. What does not mean that there won't be digital versions of uh, special editions from time to time over the course of a year. We haven't decided that yet, but, you know, I, I like to call it maybe the end of a, the end of one era, 25 years was finished last year. I mean, we celebrated our 25th anniversary season um, a little quietly, you know, given all the pandemic stuff, we really weren't able to do a lot of what we wanted to do with, uh, you know, with the promotion of a 25th anniversary. 
Um, but it's the end of one 25 year era and I guess the beginning of another. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I guess it's not so much of a, we'll call it a hard stop. We'll call it a transition more than anything. It may be considered a hard stop as far as, you know, a print itself, but, you know, it's not like we haven't been doing a lot of things on a digital basis, as we mentioned, uh, you know, with the website and, you know, social media, all sorts of different aspects, YouTube, as it is right now, you know, Spotify, Apple, all sorts of things as well. But uh, obviously, yeah, a little bit different as far as not having the print, a physical publication, you know, that you're dropping off at the golf courses. But, you know, there's a number of factors that went into that situation. We don't need to get into all of them, but let's just say in the end, we feel that we can deliver what we need to deliver on a digital platform uh, better, even with this aspect, the way that we're doing it. And, you know, in the end, that's what it's all about. It's not about just us uh, as a business. We're trying to take care of our community and our golf community. And, you know, having the ability to make that transition, I think, that's been a difficult thing within uh, the golf journalism uh, business, especially in Canada. We don't see a lot of regional golf publications uh, expand out of their region or uh, even exist anymore yeah. in, in, in print. And, uh, you know, it's a difficult thing to do. But uh, we just felt that after much discussion with marketing partners, uh, readers, listeners, people that, you know, we talked to, you know, we've sort of developed a, dif- a different way of doing things and yeah digital just works out better for us right now you know and we we did talk about this at at great length and people i mean people are going to have to understand or people will understand i'm sure that this kind of thing is not this was not like a a snap decision uh this was a very long discussion many discussions and and number crunching and and really when it came down to it it wasn't even really about the number crunching and a lot of decisions like this you think okay well it's a financial decision you know we're we're trying to you know make the most amount of money possible that's not it at all it became a case of of the delivery method of getting the news and the information and the content to the reader, to the audience that we had was fault was following a trend of a different, uh, a different direction. And, and we had to follow with it. We really did. And doing print um, because we hadn't done print for two years because of the pandemic and not being able to have delivery locations, which is the bread and butter of flagstick magazine is, is being able to deliver it to the golf courses not being able to deliver to golf courses, hard copies of the magazine for two years really started to make you think. And at the same time, it trained, I'm not actually, I'm not gonna use the word train. It, <laughs> it, it made us realize that our audience um, was looking for that news in different ways. And we saw the yeah. growth of the website traffic and we saw the increased uh, number of, uh, you know, the statistics on the newsletters that we send out with Flagstick Digest right. three times yeah. a week. We really saw more interest in that, more signups, you know, more registration subscriptions to the newsletter because people wanted to get the news that way. And then you bring into the social media side of it where, you know, something happens nowadays. If we're not telling people what's happened, yeah. the second after it happens, yeah. then it's already yeah. old news and we're behind. So yeah. this was, um, you know, a very difficult decision. And I mean, yeah. it was a difficult decision for both of us, but I mean, it was, you know, for me personally, it's probably the hardest decision with the magazine or with the business that I've had to make in the last 25 years is to, sure. to not publish 
this and they're behind yeah. me is there's the May 1996 me. exactly yeah. those that can yeah. see it on on the youtube uh, on youtube can see the very first edition behind me and and other yeah. subsequent issues there too i mean it's very hard for me to look back there and say okay you know what there's no more of those anymore but you also look yeah. forward and say okay well you know we're doing this podcast and this podcast is really kind of the first big jump forward in uh in the next era of uh, of yeah. flagstick yeah, we're not people, done. We're just we're just reborn. Yeah, right. And people will see a number of things that we're going to be talking about of, uh, you know, transitioning of things that we're going to be doing with the brand. But, you know, one thing I, I think uh, is important to sort of note uh, in regards to the magazine. I mean, there was always two components to the magazine. Uh, you know, we had news, which obviously we've talked about. And, you know, it's important to have that delivery is not a month behind now. Uh, you know, it, yeah. it is as current as possible. But that said, you know, we weren't just a news magazine. We had a lot of profiles, rule book, product watch, stuff that's a little bit more evergreen, uh, things that are more deeply researched, for an example. Those things are not going away. No. Um, they're just going to appear on our website and in our newsletter and discussed on, you know, a show like this and so forth. Uh, so, you know, you can expect profiles. I mean, we've done over 200 profiles <laughs> no, uh, of crazy. people over the years. Uh, and you can expect that to continue. It's just going to appear on the website. And I think people will note as well, um, you know, we'll be expanding things that we're doing on the website, more activity there. Uh, I know we're continuing a partnership uh, with the PGA Tour, for an example, of some of their content. Um, you know, we've done that in the past. There's lots of things that we can do on the website. It's just a little bit more versatile as far as the platform. Uh, so all the things that you liked about the magazine are not going to go away. They're just going to be delivered differently, whether that's, you know, watch, you know, seeing it on your computer, checking it out on your phone, whatever the case, we're in a position to do that delivery, provide that type of stories and information. And yeah, we're not going away. Beautiful. And I, I, you know, I'm excited about, I'm excited about the new direction. You know, obviously we changed the logo, we changed the color scheme. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was kind of like flipping the script, you know, that 25 years, everything was black and red and gray. This yeah. next 25 years, everything is uh, blue and, and, you know, nice and bright. And uh, the future looks good for us. I, I know that for a fact. Okay. Speaking of blue and, and, you know, blue skies, uh, although no, it, the it's, what the heck is going on as, <laughs> as we, as we delve into the course opening, uh, yeah. you know, discussion, uh, we look outside on a day like today and and say, what the heck is going on? It's minus 15. There's snow on the ground. Is, you know, I, I heck, I could have flooded the outdoor rink last night and yeah. the kids could have been skating today. For, like it's, it's insane. But we do have, you know, some courses that are planning to open soon. Yeah. Um, and you've you've had your uh, your 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 ear to the the ground and and uh the getting a lot ground. of text yeah the frozen <laughs> ground and getting some texts and and whatnot from a lot of the golf course operators as to what what do we see out there scott like what's what's going on yeah as you mentioned uh today as we record this you know we're having uh one of the lowest temperatures uh recorded in 40 years on this particular day um <laughs> but you know there are sunnier days ahead um what we'll, we'll say is that um you know we do have our course openings calendar uh, up onto the website. Uh, people can have a look there. It's going to be updated all the time. Um, not many dates on it yet. No, <laughs> I was going to say, um, there may have been some starting to formulate on there, but not yeah. really that many now. 
Yeah, you know, we had Gourlay uh, down at uh, Crooked Creek in Athens, Ontario. Uh, he was hoping to get open this past weekend, but, you know, let us know. It was just a little too wet still for people to get out there, uh, you know, going to do too much damage to the golf course. But uh, that said, uh, you know, Kevin Hain uh, has gotten his uh, range open uh, early, as is their tradition. And, and uh, people can look to the, you know, to the website with a little bit more of a story on that. Uh, this week. Um, you know, so that's helped as far as getting people out there and doing that. Uh, Caroline Baxter down in Archie's and Cornwall's expected to open this coming weekend. Uh, we're going to see that more happening in the next little while. So again, not a lot of dates on there yet. Uh, not a lot of information that I can actually put out because it's going to change a lot. And people, yeah, should, exactly. rec should, people should recognize that, you know, all the dates that we tend to get this time of year uh, are really weather dependent more than anything. So they're, they're projected dates. So be prepared for them to, you know, the goal line to change a little bit, call ahead, obviously, but uh, we'll try to get as many on there as possible kind of in the next month, uh, just to let people know who is opening. But I would expect we're going to see ones down towards the Quinty area. Uh, maybe your timber ridges get open sooner than later. Uh, Iroquois, which was open early last year, Prescott, all those down along the seaway. We're probably going to see some earlier openings there. So just pay attention to the, the calendar there and we'll get the dates up as quickly as we can. Now, obviously, a lot of stuff down, uh, uh, down the four. 401 uh into mm, your yes. neck of woods into, into yeah. kingston and even you know i'm even into the uh the gta um they're generally ahead of us so i mean not yeah. not that we're you know um we, we're not really as as on top of what's who's open down there though we we could sure. certainly let people know but yeah. chances are there's going to be a number of golf courses open further west uh that if people are really uh chomping at the bit and, yeah. and if people's the cleats are clean and the clubs are ready to go and the golf balls are stacked uh, piled in the bag and they want to get out they can probably get down to the uh, a little further west to get some golf in yeah and south as well we're going to see a couple of golf courses true too yeah syracuse area as well which obviously is now accessible to people which it has i was gonna say not it's not something that we've been able to discuss no. a lot in the last two years saying hey why don't you head down to syracuse right. radisson yeah. greens we used to go down there yeah. back in the day and and you know uh foxfire and yeah. and whatnot and you couldn't really talk about doing that much now it's like hey yeah you know what there you go you can head down there and play too so well everything's back on the table now isn't it great it is. And uh, you mentioned down the other part of Ontario. Uh, I know golf courses like uh, Fescue's Edge in Scotland, Ontario, down towards, uh, you know, the other side of Hamilton. They're open. There's a bunch of golf courses in Southwestern that are open. Uh, you know, I know Tarandawa usually gets open pretty early down in Avon, uh, just down past uh, sort of Ingersoll heading towards the London area. So, yeah, we'll we'll see a bunch down there open early. So if people are really, really eager <laughs> and they really want to get the golf, so gotta, yeah, I can't take it anymore. I need I golf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm already hearing of people, you know, just going, hey, uh, how far is it till I can get some golf? So, you know, talking about maybe a Pennsylvania trip or, or something like that. Um, but yeah, the season is, is, is definitely here. Oh my gosh. All right. Now, now look at, as, as we're sitting here in the off season, um, you know, months before golf starts, you know, the, the golf industry is kind of like, uh, you get to, I don't know, free agent signing, <laughs> you know, and, and all of a sudden it's things start happening with the, with the industry, as far as management goes, and you start yeah. to see this head pro is going here and this head pro is going here. And now there's a new manager at this golf course. And this guy who was a head pro is now the general manager over here. So 
you know, in the, the old days of the magazine, we used to have a section of the magazine called Pros on the Move. And it was never that big a section. Um, you know, it was a little bit here and there, but uh, there's been a, a fair, a fair bit of action. Uh, you know, in particular in this, in the, in the national capital region or, you know, the Ottawa region in particular with, with some pros and management, like it's, it's been a little bit crazy, eh? Yeah, it's been a busy year. Um, you know, it, it was a tough year in the golf industry last year, not so much of uh, the fact that there weren't golfers because there were, there were no. plenty <laughs> of golfers. Uh, the difficulty was staffing. Uh, was which was a challenge, and, which is you know, still a bit of a, a challenge for some def- courses. Definitely, for sure, human resources is definitely a difficulty, and you know we can talk about that a little bit more. But um, the other side of it is that uh, the pace that people were working at. I mean, the golf courses were just pounded with people, and um, you know that's not easy to, as you mentioned, pivot <laughs> and, and, take, and, and take care of those things. You don't say that um, word to my wife; she hates the word. Pivot. Yeah. So it, it, it just makes it a more of a challenge as far as uh, courses getting busier, people starting to get burnt out and things yes. like that. But, you know, but it also opens up golf courses to realize, you know, maybe we need to move on to this person or maybe a different person with a different set of skills or whatever the case may be. So you always have movements in the golf industry. So, you know, we particularly saw them uh, in our region, uh, the private clubs, where the private clubs were uh, sort of the biggest transition since yeah. the PGA of Canada, Ottawa Valley zone. But uh, ones like, um, you know, Roger Beal is now the head professional yeah. over Rita View. He moved over from the marshes. And, you know, as you mentioned, it's a domino effect. Once one person goes, that opens up a spot at someplace else. So that meant, you know, John Stevenson got the role at the marshes as the head pro there. Uh, same sort of thing happened at Highlands, uh, Mark Andre piet was there went over to camelot yeah uh, and as a result of it you know um, basically highlands comes open mark lacombe goes into that position there um big transitions at Re- rivermead this year i mean yes uh, we very had, much so yeah so uh jean moved on uh, and um basically he's doing a little bit of a, a transition to kind of helping some things out but uh, Mathieu Perron, who was their assistant uh, director of golf uh, operations, has now moved into that that director role. Um, basically, there's been a little shift there. Scott Mickelson has taken the teaching pro uh, role. And then uh, what's happened is now they brought in uh, Sarah Andre Landry from uh, Pine Grove in Quebec, uh, who I've not really met, but I've heard from a lot of people. Is very highly respected. Mm-hmm. A uh, really strong player, certainly written her name many times over the years as yeah. far as tournament play and so forth. But uh, she has now taken on the role as the head professional, which, you know, it's kind of nice to see. We don't see a lot of head professionals that are female yeah. in, the, in the region, if not beyond. And, and so that's that's a good one to see as well. And then Tyler Fitzgerald, who was previously at the uh, Ottawa Hunt and before that at, at Scarborough, uh, is now going to be the director of golf operations at Carleton. So that that's just a taste. Obviously, there's some assistance in things that are moving around as well <clears throat> we haven't even touched on you know superintendents <laughs> assistant superintendents but let's just say there's there's a lot of movement in the zone and uh i know when we get to uh pga of ottawa events this year i'm gonna be like oh yeah where are they at now yeah exactly okay. you, you're there you're there now we should mention too that, uh, that that position of director of golf operations at carlton opened up because Cameron Gall, who was the who was the head professional director of golf operations, has now moved into the GM position. 
Yeah, correct. So, um, uh, so again, that's a little bit of a shift and, yeah. uh, you know, but again, it's a good opportunity for a club to take someone that's, you know, familiar with the club and, and put them into that role rather than just kind of reaching out into the ether for people. Cause I can tell you right now, it's very difficult to attract people. I mean, if, uh, you know, not talking out of school here, but I know from our members out of, on the move and our um, job directory section at the PG of Canada, I mean, there's a lot of places that are still looking for staff. And I mean, we're talking, it's the end of March, start of April right now. Yeah. And the fact that clubs are looking for head professionals um, and general managers at this time of year is, you know, it's a little concerning more than anything. Oh, you know, no question. And you mentioned, <clears throat> you know, we haven't even, haven't even really touched on superintendents or just like there's, we'd have to have a, we could probably have a whole half a podcast just on, on, you know, yeah, the need for, for, uh, for staffing at, at golf yeah. courses uh, this season. So hopefully, hopefully most of the golf courses, you know, figure it out, get some good, some good people in there. And, and it, um, as busy as I expect that this season is going to be, uh, mm-hmm. that, uh, people aren't as, as overworked. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, I just, I, I hate to see people get burned out in the industry. It's yeah. already a busy enough season as it is. Yeah, you know, most got mo- yeah, exactly. And they're already over, they're not overworked, but they're, they're already working to their max as it, as it is to mm-hmm. go through what they've went through the last couple of years of being that much, you know, that much more drained out. Um, you know, I, it'd be nice to see, you know, some, some good staffing, uh, happen so that that kind of thing doesn't happen again. So now we mentioned, uh, you know, we always told people at the beginning of the podcast that this was, you know, we were going to touch on some things that were a little outside the region as well and beyond, you know, especially as it relates to um, Canadians and and yeah. how they're doing. And, you know, the one thing about the one thing now is that, you know, in the old days, when we talk about, you know, Canadian professional golfers and how they were doing on the PGA tour and the LPGA tour and European tour, what it's like, okay, there really isn't a whole lot to talk about there. Mm. There's, you know, maybe one or two here and there, um, and they're not really doing particularly well. So, you know, talk about a Canadian guy missing the cut again. I mean, that's not really the, that's not really warm fuzzies, Uh, but uh, that's not the case anymore. Uh, You know, our Canadian uh, male and female golfers are, are just doing extraordinarily well. And this weekend was uh, was absolutely no exception to that. Eh? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's across a lot of places in the world, be it the Asian tour or the DP world tour, which is, you know, the, the new name for the European tour. Uh, we're seeing in the Epson tour, which is formerly Symmetra tour, the LPGA tour, uh, PGA tour, Latino America, PGA tour, Canada, when it comes back soon, and we'll have some news on that in, in some coming shows. Uh, and then, you know, working our way up to Corn Ferry. And then PGA Tour now, you know, we've got nine players, I believe, with status on the tour. Graham Dillette, of course, is not active right now due to injury. But uh, every week, uh, whether there's players that are coming through the Monday qualifiers and getting into some of the events or the, the players that actually have status themselves, there always seems to be a Canadian near the top of the leaderboard. And, you know, this past weekend, the Dell match play, which is one of the world championships, the only world championship this year, uh, Corey Connors from Listowel, Ontario, uh, ended up finishing third, beat Dustin Johnson in that, uh, that match. 
Yeah, it really is. I mean, his play has been fantastic. That's uh, that's his 15th top 10 uh, on the PGA Tour. Uh, it moves him up to number 32 in the world, doubles his earnings for this year. So I think he won 852,000. Um, just fun to fun to watch. That yeah. ties his highest rank ever. Uh, he got to 32 after the Tour Championship, I believe, last year. Uh, but fun to follow. And this week, you know, the Valero Texas Open is coming up, and, and Corey won that in, in 2019. Um, yeah, and then over on the LPGA, uh, Brooke took the week off, although she will be back. Uh, this week for the Chevron, Chevron Championship, which was the ANA Inspiration, yeah. which was the Dinah Shore. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but uh, Maudemi Lavon, uh, who's a golfer that many people in the Ottawa region will be familiar with, and the fact that uh, you know she won a Quebec Women's Amateur in 2008 at, at Camelot, uh, including at that time uh, shooting 63, which was a course record that ended up being broken by uh, the winner this week on the LBJ Tour. <laughs> Um, but Monami, uh, she earned her second top 10 of the year. Uh, she tied for fourth at that JTB Classic uh, presented by Barbara Saul in Carlsbad. Uh, just trending really well. This is a person who retired. Uh, I know. That then, was, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then came back, uh, won, had nine top 10s on that Epson Tour last year, worked her way back on the LPGA Tour. Um, it's going to be fun to see her even back at the Ottawa Hunt Club later on this year yes because uh, she did play in that 2008 uh women's open that was at a hunt previously um i can remember in particular she played either it was a pairing or it was a practice round with her sandra gall and michelle Wee. and i remember thinking man this might be the tallest group i've ever i seen know on the lpga <laughs> tour so uh fun to watch did you watch much of that or any of that this weekend or any of the golf I, I kind of flip flop back and forth between a bunch. I was watching a little bit of March Madness stuff. I was oh, yeah, watching, I watched yeah. a little bit of the F1 race. I don't know why yeah. I'm getting so caught up in <laughs> F1 right now. I, I think it's because of the whole Verstappen Hamilton feud uh, yeah, that okay. uh, it's kind of interesting. But uh, yeah, I know I watched uh, I watched a bunch of the match play. And then yeah. I was going back and then I watched some of the LPGA event between the semifinals and the finals. And then I watched yeah. the Yeah, it was kind of like, and I, and I don't it's generally. Like crazy, crazy sports day. Oh, it was it was insane. I'm I honestly generally don't watch a lot of um a lot of golf on TV. Yeah. Um, you know, unless it's a major, then I'm kind of I'm glued in pretty good. Sure. Um, but for some reason this weekend, I don't I don't know why. Maybe I just ha was having a lazy day and or just wanted to <laughs> chill and watch golf. But I yeah. I sat in the living room and I watched pretty much everything all weekend long. So yeah, I know it's extraordinary. Do you do you prefer match play person yes. over stroke play i i i I'm, I'm it's sort of a loaded question because <clears throat> i know our discussions and things over the years but do you think that was part of the attraction for sure i think it was a little bit I, the only thing with match play that i have that's difficult on tv is um with a regular tour event to kind of you get to see a lot of different players uh, right. you know, yeah. now when the coverage is good, sometimes the coverage isn't that good <laughs> and you end up following the same guy for 18 holes, same group for 18 holes. But, True. um, I, that's the, the, the thing with match play is it's just, it's one and done, right? So the, the, the hole, the hole is over and you move on to the next hole and it doesn't matter. If there's no two shots behind three shots behind it's, you know, guys one down or two down, you know, that anything can, can change. And it was, it was, it was a really kind of cool to see the, you know, with the match play, the, um, the shot making, mm. you know, how, you know, Kisner would seem like he's completely out of a hole. And next thing you know, he's, he's tapping in for par, or he's rolling a 15 footer in for par. And then Connors right. had one where he, he was, uh, off to the side, he pitched it, you know, along the ground, 
uh, rolled it up over a bank down on three feet from the hole and made the pot. And it's just like, wow, you know, I mean, this is, uh, um, you know, this is extraordinary golf that we're, we're getting to watch here. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I'm a match play guy. What about you? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, uh, I think they've got a, they've got a good home for the match play now. I, I think the, the golf course at Austin country club really lends itself to, as you mentioned, that shot making uh, a lot more drama on the back nine. They've obviously got lots of water in there, elevation changes, uh, there's just a lot of creativity needed and uh, players are really, they're willing to take those risks a little bit more in match play because they know it's only going to cost them a hole yes. uh, that they know they have to kind of take that on where, you know, they might play a lot more conservatively if it's stroke play and they're just trying to make sure they don't make a double and 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 just make a, a birdie. So we tend to see uh, some excitement and players make some, you know, good decisions and bad decisions, but uh, I think that's part of the appeal as well. But, you know, Masters in two weeks. I know. Uh, Very excited. It's going to be good for sure. They get the uh, the um, the drive chip and putts back, uh, yep. you know, which is exciting too. I always like watching that. And the women's amateur. the, the right. uh, uh, And the, NWA, yeah. Yeah, right. so – I guess National Women's Amateur, yeah. And yeah, so that's exciting to see that back too. Because any anytime that you get to, it's one thing to get to watch a different group of people playing Augusta. It's just another thing to be able to see Augusta National more. more. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Some golf courses you just like to see. You just like yeah. to see on TV, or you know, I'd like to see them live. You have, I haven't, but um, you know, it's just uh, you know to be able to see it more often is is a good thing. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be some exciting. And then we're getting into it, like the season. You just feel like, you know, there's That's a lot of things that sort of springboard the season. You know, we always yeah. used to say the first issue of Flagstick was a was always a big springboard for the season. And the Masters is a springboard for the season. But the first issue of Flagstick was always out at March. the at the Golf <laughs> Expo. Right. I mean, yeah. it was always the the uh, uh, the Ottawa Gatineau Golf Expo. And and, um, you know, that sort of launched the season. It was in March. We still weren't playing, but it kind of really got people excited and. Um, Even if we had winter coats on. Yeah, exactly. And then, and and much like you know us having to change directions, or the golf expo had has had to change right. the way it's done things. And um, you know, this is the you know once again they went to a virtual version of the show as opposed to they they could have they had the opportunity this year to possibly go back to an in person show, but it was just a little iffy on you know pulling it all together and. They decided to go a much uh, different direction on this year's virtual show, and uh, but I guess you know it, it went over it went over quite well, and and uh, and they had a lot of traffic at it, and we were a spot, media partner sponsor uh, again this year for it. It's just uh, you know I guess this is just the way things are going. Yeah, for sure, and you know that's why we uh, we sat down this week, or at least I did, with uh, Greg Chambers, who's the uh, chapter. Uh, um, head of the chapter as far as the director for Eastern Ontario and, and uh, Udaway region for the National Golf Course Owners Association. And uh, just to talk a little bit uh, about the show, why they made the decision they did, how the show went, um, but also as well, how the season went overall for their chapter members, and then uh, what their expectations are for, for 2022. So interesting conversation. I think people will really enjoy it. And, uh, you know, Greg provided some nice insight, and it was nice to catch up with him. Well, on that note, uh, you know, I'm ready for a hot dog and a beverage at the turn. So, you know, why don't we uh, why don't we take a quick break? And uh, when we get back, 
uh, we'll have that interview that you did uh, with uh, with Greg, and uh, and we'll play that, and and everybody can hear what Greg had to say uh, about, uh, particularly about this year's uh, golf expo. All right, you're listening to the uh, Flagstick Podcast with uh, Scott McLeod and Jeff Botter. Uh, we'll be right back uh, with uh, after this quick break uh, and uh, from our sponsor, TaylorMade Golf Canada. Don't go away. Over the years, you've inspired us to make a lot of great drivers. But while we were making all these drivers for the present, we were also hard at work making the next generation of driver. Because where titanium ends, carbon begins. All right, uh, we're back. Thanks for hanging with us. If you did, hope you uh, hope you got something to to drink and uh, you're settled in for the we'll call it the back nine, uh, the show. Um, as we said, uh, going into the break, uh, we've got the golf uh, interview with Greg Chambers uh, that Scott had done. Now, before we get to that, I should mention surrounding the golf expo, we had uh, a contest that we oh, yeah, uh, that right. we ran. Yeah. yeah, I just I almost forgot. Uh-oh. But I didn't. Um, so uh, we did. We had a contest. Uh, one lucky um, subscriber, new subscriber to Flagstick Digest, was uh, was going to have their name drawn and could win a uh, Cleveland RTX uh, wedge. And uh, we drew a name, and the name is uh, Nick Savoie. Now I can't nice. tell you where Nick is from. Um, congratulations, Nick. Uh, I can't <laughs> tell you where Nick is from because it was a name and email. Uh, registration so yeah but uh, nick uh if you're listening you'll get an email and if nick's not listening nick's still gonna get an email and nick's gonna get a really nice wedge yeah. <laughs> that's a little a little <laughs> bit of a reminder as well for people if they want to keep up to date on uh you know news and information coming from us uh you know we have our free newsletter yes free. newsletter and uh you know we occasionally have contests and and things like that so there's a good opportunity uh to not only get that news and information directly to your inbox exactly. um but to also you know participate in contests and things as well so just and we give away on. good stuff yeah, we do. We do, we do so, give away. Like, we don't give away. Anybody that's ever played in the Flagstick Open knows what we give away. Uh, we give away good stuff. So, um, all right. Uh, having said that, uh, here's the interview with uh, that Scott did with uh, Greg Chambers. Today, uh, we've got a guest, a familiar guest to us. Uh, we've got Greg Chambers here. Uh, how you doing, Greg? Hey, Scott. Not too bad. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, uh, for people that don't know, Greg is the regional director for the Eastern Ontario and Udaway chapter, the National Golf Course Owners Association Canada. Uh, a big role, considering this was the uh, primary initial chapter for the NGCOA when it was created, and is certainly a busy chapter with uh, a lot of members. You can tell us exactly how many members there currently are now, but uh, as we know, you know, golf is uh, booming right now. There's been a, a really a big resurgence in the last uh, couple years, which uh, you know, has led to some really good things and some other interesting issues and things as well. And, uh, you know, you guys recently had the uh, Canadian Golf Expo, uh, which sort of, you know, kind of always kicks off the year. Everybody looks forward to those golf shows and so forth. But, uh, you know, again, this year, virtual, um, but on a slightly different scale than maybe has been done in the past. Uh, Why don't you take us through that a little bit? I I think that took place, uh, was it February 28th to March 6th? Yeah, exactly. It's uh, so what it is leading into it is that uh, we do uh, local shows, uh, live shows in the, in the past. We had eight across the country, uh, right from BC, right across to Atlantic. Um, with COVID, we had to kind of, I hate that word, pivot into uh, such a 2021 term, uh, into a virtual show um, because they just weren't uh, available. We weren't allowed to, uh, with government restrictions, 
um, jump into different parts of the, uh, the country into live shows. Uh, what quickly turned from then, and some decided to do it, some decided not to do it, just skip a year. Uh, we went virtual in Ontario, um, and it was a blast. Um, I'm not going to say we did the best job in the world, uh, and that's why it was a blast, but I think there was just a lot of golf-starved, hungry people out uh, in 2021. So we benefited from that, uh, as well as our members, our exhibitors of the uh, of the show um, had great, uh, I guess turn the phone off, had great um, uh, sales, great attendance, great, uh, they ran contests uh, to build the databases. So on all fronts, it was amazing. Uh, and then we get into 2022 and we're all ready to go live shows back into mm -hmm. it again. It was a one-off um, and things quickly started to change probably around November of 2021. There was rumblings that different uh, facilities weren't open um, to host uh, live shows. And what was going to be in 2022, were they going to be ready to actually take in uh, without masks and, and different stuff like that? And we, again, th that word pivot, we, we quickly jumped into um, another live show. Uh, this time we went completely across the country. Uh, so you mentioned it, the Canadian Golf Expo. <laughs> Took time out. You're a popular guy. It, uh, it should be on Do Not Disturb. There we go. Um, is that uh, we had to go in, or we decided to go into a full-blown um, Canadian Golf Expo. And that was all the shows that were virtual or virtual last year and the ones that didn't do uh, because they just did live. Uh, we went across the country. So it was great. Um, I think we've talked about this uh, almost a perfect storm. Is that what have we done now? We've uh, we've created such a great um, format, um, but we don't know what we're going to do next year. Uh, that's probably the best answer is that it, it's great. We're getting more following. Um, so where you're driving physically to a live show, you're getting more people from a bigger distance. Uh, same thing with exhibitors, uh, same thing driving and, and the cost of getting staff there and booking hotels. Um, it's more cost effective for them to get there. Saying that, I believe the customer um, and some of the exhibitors really want to have that live show feeling. Um, they want to, you know, kiss babies, shake hands. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say get in your face. That sounds so uh, intrusive, but it's it's have those conversations where maybe, you know, you might glance over it on a computer. But when you're talking, you know, face to face and, you know, somebody greets you in the aisle, you can actually have that conversation and say, hey. You know, uh, you know, where are you? You know, I've never played your course before. Then you get into a great discussion. So there is that need. And that's uh, I say the word perfect storm because the golf industry is booming right now. Um, it really is um, a great, uh, you know, I work in the industry, so I'm, I'm always selling it. But it's 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 outdoors. It's exercise. Uh, we always say it's one of the only sports uh, and I'm a big hockey guy um, that you can play with different skill levels and different ages. Um, I cannot play with my daughter's hockey team. I cannot play with 80 year olds uh, on the same ice surface. Um, but on a golf course, we could all be in the same group uh, with handicaps and even just nobody really cares about anybody else's score. You're just kind of moving along and, and keeping the pace. It's it's booming right now. It'll be neat to see what happens this year in 2022. Um, again, we just got off to a great start with what just happened um, at the 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 virtual golf show yep. is that sales were through the roof for a lot of our members, uh, which is exciting to see because to be honest, as, as positive everybody was with 2021 and 2020, no one really knows what's, what's coming down the chute. Uh, right. Are there going to be more openings? Is golf going to go down a little bit, which we think it might a little, uh, I think we probably peaked last year with, with things closed um, indoors, but I think we've, I think we're smarter than we were way back when, when the tiger era, we all just kind of sat back and, and waited for our T sheets to fill. 
Um, I, I want to give all the credit to the uh, the operators and the owners is that they're prepared for this. They're they're working on you know let's let's keep the buzz going. Right. Yeah. And and really, I mean, I, I guess you're right. I mean, you have so much success as far as the virtual platform, but, you know, it does miss that social element of being face to face with people. And, you know, it's obviously something people are craving after this last couple of years is that that personal interaction. Um, you know, it's hard to speculate again what you're going to do, in, you know, in 2023. But, um, you know, it starts to make you think, what are the good components and what can we take from the digital platform and add it? into the element of the live platform and you know maybe there's maybe this has been a teaching moment to show you that there's a much better formula overall with a combination of the two that allows that reach that wider reach so you know somebody that as you said can't access the show because they're in some remote location uh you know but they can get the information get access to the deals and so forth and then also still have the ability for people if they want to come and you know just hang out and talk golf and uh, and really you know what it's like at the shows i mean people you can clearly yeah. see that they just want to come out and, and talk golf with people that you know want to talk golf as well Exactly. Exactly. There's also that component of the the manufacturers um, right. who want to try out the clubs and stuff like that. The one thing you can't do virtually, uh, Lee at uh, Canadian Pro Shop Online does an amazing deal at Canadian Golf Club as well, uh, and amazing, um, you know, kind of mending those two together and, and kind of giving you, you know, the best of both worlds uh, as much as you can't swing a golf club, but trying to give you all that information as possible uh, and put it in front of you. But again, they want to get out to the demo range. They want to see all the manufacturers, all the reps, all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't think I'm ready at the point now to, to make the decision and say, hey, everybody get online and we're never going to talk to anybody. We're never going to walk right. down the aisles and do that kind of stuff. So we do have some big post-mortem meetings coming up in uh, May uh, to kind of make that decision and kind of jump into it. Um, yeah, well, I think it'll be different, to be honest, 100% different across the country. Uh, some of our bigger uh, chapters uh, where there's a, a, a larger draw from across different provinces compared to, you know, the Ottawa Golf Expo was such a, a smaller knit group. Um, and I think we start there and, and just try it again. I, I think we need to get back to that live and, and interaction and we'll find out. But again, you hit the nail on the head is that, you know, maybe the website uh, where it was just a quick way to get tickets, maybe it becomes more of a, um, a feature where you're getting more information and you can maybe get some of the deals like a, a yeah. virtual deal compared to a live, a live deal at the show. So yeah, all components and yeah, everybody keeps talking about that word hybrid. So yeah, well, you know, we're going to talk about it a little bit more because I think it really applies to the golf courses as well. And, you know, as you said, you know, you're out there with the golf course operators and seeing what's happening with their businesses. Um, you know, again, restrictions changed a lot of things, uh, having new uh, audience members and more people that are participating in the game. All those things have changed the shape and the look of a lot of their businesses. What have you seen in that 2020, 2021? And we'll focus more on the, you know, what have we done to sort of adapt and change rather than, you know, here's the bad part that you're sort of forced into. Um, and how do you think it will sort of affect what's going to happen as we move forward? I mean, what are you hearing for golf course owners? We don't, we don't have to use a specific example or anything, but just in general, maybe some ideas or concepts of uh, what you've heard about how people are now, you know, as operators perceiving their business in ways that they can, you know, be better moving forward. Yeah. And I think I touched on a little bit is that I, want, I don't want to say the word smarter, but they're, they're more 
they're ready for it. Uh, again, back to the big tiger drop, I think it was 2004, 2005, where it started to drop off a little bit. And we, mm. we just said, hey, we're going to get back. It's going to be golf as golf. And it's going to be crazy like it was before. And it just kept dipping and dipping, um, you know, right through until a few years ago, right before COVID. Um, I think really the golf courses see the new golfers, uh, which is great. Um, you know, the people that were playing uh, one or two rounds a week, uh, are playing four or five. The people that were playing, you know, one or two rounds a month are playing, you know, once a week. And then we have new golfers that have never been into the sport before. So they're really cognizant of, you know, let's keep those people. Let's make sure that they're still golfing. They may not golf as much, but we're going to keep them as golfers. Uh, and I, again, I have to give the credit to the operators and owners is that they recognize that already. Uh, now they're getting creative in how they're doing that. They're having you know, maybe stuff outside the box that we've never done before. A lot of wine and dines, a lot of uh, new golfer um, kind of, uh, I don't want to say wine and dine again, but really like a, a social event afterwards. Right. Uh, you know, you have your hour lesson of new golfers and it's it's crazy on the putting green or the range, but then they're, they're going back and they're socializing. Maybe they're not even talking about golf, but it's another avenue, another network to get together with. Um, and then you have your diehards. Is that keeping them happy? Is that they can get all their games in? But again, you're not just sitting back and, and saying, yeah, yeah, here's a golf course. Here's some greens. Go, go play. Yeah. Um, they're actually staying on top of them and, and listening to what they, they want, uh, as well as keeping that tee sheet. Um, uh, again, not first come, first, curve, first come, first serve, but really making sure that everyone's um, kept happy, I guess, is yeah. the way to say it, is that it's, it's not the guy that's playing seven or eight times a week uh, that's getting all the tee off times and making sure everybody is uh, in there. So the leagues have been a big thing. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess it's a, you know, in, in one sense, it's a good problem to have. Uh, obviously there's a stream of customers that are coming in the door. Uh, there's an option there to, you know, do some different things. Um, what do you think golf course will, will courses will maybe do as well to maybe deal with the fact that their T-sheets are full already as far as expanding their businesses, maybe their revenue streams uh, to take advantage of the fact they have a larger audience? Are you seeing anything in particular kind of out there that, uh, you know, they're starting to think about going, hey, you know what, this is sold out over here. What else do I do and what else, what other assets do I have as a facility to, to create other business opportunities? Yeah, they're definitely getting away from the cheat sheet. They're definitely getting creative with uh, the social events uh, that you would never see at a golf course. And now they're hosting. Now they're kind of tying into that uh, niche, uh, whether it's their database that they have or a whole new group of uh, individuals, like non even non-golfers uh, that are coming out. Um, getting with the golf courses, we had our conference uh, last uh, November, and it was neat to see some of the, one of the ones that I hosted was on, you know, they've built a part of their driving range, turned it into a three-hole junior course. Awesome. which I'd, I'd never even heard of, never even thought of, but they didn't want to bump all the juniors. Uh, you know, it, it's great to say, you know, I'm running a business. I want to get the biggest bank for my duck, my, my buck. Um, and we all know how prices and inflation have gone up. Of um, it's easy to say, let's take the biggest dollar and let's pack the course. And then all the, the leagues and the smaller revenues get pushed aside, including the juniors. Um, so a couple of the courses had started, you know, just building a three hole course. Maybe it's not to the same standards as the 18 hole sure. course, but they're getting the juniors out. They're having an opportunity. They're getting creative rather than just turning that whole niche or that whole demographic away. Um, they're really, you know, we talked about some courses with their memberships instead of just, you know, here's a price and you're playing as much as you want to play. Um, they've set it up as, you know, 50 games, 60 games, 70 games. And it's, it's worked on both ends is that maybe you're, you're losing the person that plays 180 games uh, during the year, uh, but you're gaining somebody else that wants to be a member that can't play 100 games 
and doesn't see that value, but they can buy a membership and be a full member and all the amenities and all the perks with that at 40 games. So it's a 40 game package, but they're actually part of the membership, which is a great, you know, and that's really, I mean, golf is golf and, and we all love it. Um, but I love the social aspect. And I think that's one of the, uh, uh, the things that makes golf a little more unique. Um, you know, you're playing against somebody, but you're still having a conversation. Um, you know, you're not trying to run them through the boards and you can't talk to them until after they no. get in the bar. But um, the social aspect, I think, is a big, big niche. And uh, again, the exercise in outdoors. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we saw that last year. I mean, we saw a number of golf courses, uh, you know, kind of within this region that, you know, because they were forced to do outdoor dining, uh, you know, they expanded their patios, they expanded their, their yeah. social spaces, as you mentioned, outdoors also realizing that, man, why did we, why didn't we do this before we were sort of forced into that? But, uh, you know, beyond that topic as well, I mean, you mentioned as far as the, you know, the juniors and so forth. Uh, I guess the key thing that you're seeing is that golf courses are not only recognizing that they have an immediate demand, but they still have to build for the future and they have to still consider what golf is going to look like 10 years from now. And they can't just turn away from that because there's immediate dollars coming in the door right now. 100% is that they could take the fast dollar now, uh, lots of profits, lots of revenue. And then where are we going to be in five to 10 years? Uh, if we turn away all these juniors, turn away all these new golfers, turn away uh, these leagues. Um, so you, you take a little bit of a cut, you know, maybe kind of developing, but they're always developing. So you have somebody to replace, um, you know, the 65, 75 year old golfers that are playing the hundred rounds a year. Um, it's great. It's, it's, it's really great. Again, I can't say enough about the owners and operators thinking in advance, not just taking uh, the most dollars they can now is thinking like, where are we going to be in five years? I have to make sure that I have that next group coming into the golf course. And are you hearing more, you know, talking within the, not only within the region, but obviously you, you, you connect with, uh, you know, your other regional directors and talking about around the country. Uh, are you seeing more golf courses thinking about, you know, renovations, redoing bunkers, um, doing capital projects now because they're in a position that they're able to. Definitely. They're definitely putting money back into the golf course, um, which is great. You know, maybe they, they set that aside for a few years as we went through our lean years, um, definitely putting more money back into it. But a lot of it isn't, uh, and you would know this probably more than I would, is that, that, that era where we had to make it longer. We had to make the, the bunkers deeper, bigger, um, the tees were pushed back, you know, how can we make the greens faster? It's almost like an ego thing where how we make the, co the course harder, but really they're focusing on now the golf course being, you know, good for all uh, different age levels and all different skill levels, but also putting money back into, you mentioned the patios into the, uh, I can think of probably seven or eight different golf courses locally that got into the simulators uh, over yes. the winter time yeah. is where now let's be a full year facility. Uh, we're going to be open now for our members and take care of them. And now it's it's really not just, okay, it's October, see you later. Come, <laughs> hope you come back. And that's what it is. Hope you come back in April. Right. It's no, let's take care of them year round. But now our facility is open and now we can do other events and keep them busy that way. So it's, it's really neat to see them, again, big picture thinking uh, rather than just take the quick dollar uh, during the golf season. And I think really it's, uh, you know, it's all about cultural development as far as developing the culture of the sport and how people are connected. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure the owners and operators are always thinking about that as well. I know they are, uh, you know, they're thinking about how they can stay connected with those customers. And, you know, it's a competitive business. And I mean, people do mm -hmm. have options to go you know, wherever they want to go, if they can get membership or a, or a tea time. But um, the fact that the courses are doing that and, and creating that culture a little bit more than, 
as you said, just the tee sheet itself, and that's your connection to the golf course. Um, it, it's a positive thing to see for sure. It is for sure. And I think maybe 40, 50 years ago, I remember when I was at Cedar Hill, they used to talk about that is that uh, you were a member and you did all your dinners, all your events, all your birthday parties mm. at the golf course. Yeah. That was your life was the golf course. You were a member, you didn't go anywhere else. Uh, it's not like that anymore is that you have different sports with the kids. You have different social groups. Um, mom and dad are both working. They're out of the house. There's different things going on all the time. So you have to kind of blend in with the other events, but you still want them to be at the golf course. You don't want them to forget about the golf course. So maybe you are doing some outside the box thinking and, and changing where they just do golf and they do everything else somewhere else. Now it's kind of blended in that there is other amenities and other stuff to do with the golf course. Yeah. And you, you know, you mentioned the simulators. I noted, uh, you know, this past winter, uh, you know, the number of golf courses are offering trails or walking, or, you know, in some cases they even have outdoor camping and, you know, other dining facilities and so forth. And, and it's nice to see that evolution. Um, I think it changes the look and the shape of what, how people perceive golf courses. And as you said, um, places like golf courses start to become first options as far as Hey, that's my favorite place to go as far as a restaurant is concerned. You know, it's yeah. their first choice, not, oh, well, I have to eat. So I have to, I'll just eat there. Um, and instead, going, hey, you know what? I love to go to my golf course. I'm going to go there because that's my favorite place to have dinner. Exactly. And you mentioned it too is that uh, the trails and different stuff like that, where there wasn't a fee, uh, whether it was a member facility or even a public facility, there was, there was no fee for that. There is an expense for it. Mm -hmm. But they see the big picture is that let's make this part of the community. Let's make right. sure that we're keeping, you know, top of mind rather than, again, just sitting back and waiting for to fill the tee sheets. Let's make sure that we're progressive and we have maybe we get some new uh, players out of it because now they know where the golf course is or now they see what we can offer. Awesome. Uh, one last thing. Obviously, the golf season is about to begin, hopefully sooner than later. <laughs> um, yeah. What are your expectations overall as far as the season? You know, mentioned a little bit before uh, you're kind of, you know, thought maybe that you peaked last year as far as the golf courses are concerned. But, you know, what's your general overall expectation for the year ahead? I think it's going to be great. I think we have those new golfers and I think we're not forgetting about everybody else's that we're um, we're going to be busy, uh, which is great. And, and you can already see that with the membership waiting lists. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, with the, uh, with the, how the golf expo did with uh, just regular package sales and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be another busy year. Um, I love that. It's, that's a problem. Um, is that the, you know, the, the operators owners have to get creative and, and try to, you know, fill the tea sheets in the quiet times, but also uh, I think there'll be less quiet times. Um, maybe not as busy as last year with everything opening up now, um, but I think they've done an amazing job of, of, of setting themselves up to succeed this year and, and years going forward. I think, again, um, we've grown the industry so much and we want to keep it uh, at that same size kind of thing. We're not going to have a big drop off. Well, that's perfect. We uh, look forward to always catching up with you and uh, maybe we'll uh, catch up again at the end of the season and, and see if your predictions uh, come true and see where <laughs> things are going from there. So thanks it's for open. coming on the show and uh, we'll catch up soon. Again, thanks again, Scott. All right. Great interview, Scott. <laughs> I applaud you. I applaud you. It was a great interview. A lot of good stuff came out of that. And I know Greg has been doing uh, the role at the, you know, with the golf expo for quite some time now. And, yeah. um, and you talk about changing directions that that show has had to change directions. And, and that guy, um, he works hard. Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to make these to make this show happen. And uh, I know this was a much bigger undertaking for all of the uh, 
chapters of the NGCOA across the country to pull this together. And I think they did it. A, I think they did a really good job. I enjoyed what we had as a presence. Um, the response that we got to the contest and the subscribers to the newsletter was uh, probably the best that we've had uh, in many years doing any kind of uh, sign up. So um, good, Im good information and insight there. Yeah, you know, it, uh, it was nice to hear from Greg for a, a number of things. And as people, uh, you know, kind of heard there, you know, they're doing pretty much the same thing we are. They're trying to make different decisions of how to do things going forward and what's a better way. And in fact, you know, something like the pandemic sort of forced their hand a little bit to find out, you know, what's a better way that they can do things for their membership. So uh, good to hear from him. As you said, you know, he's a former, uh, you know, he is a PGA of Canada member, uh, former president of the, the zone, uh, works very hard, very diligently, and, you know, is able to provide some really good insight on the industry because he is talking to those golf courses all the time, uh, hearing what their issues are, hearing what their opportunities are as well. And I think as uh, golfers begin to hear about that aspect and sort of respect that aspect of it, of what's going on at the golf courses, yeah. it, it makes it better for everyone because, a lot of the times, unfortunately, you know, maybe a golfer is frustrated because they can't get the tee time that they can get. Well, if you hear their side of it and you hear what is involved with the operations and you understand it, it makes it a little bit easier to swallow a little bit and realize yeah. what they face and the challenges that they face. And, you know, they're not doing anything to oppose the golfer. They want the golfer. Of course. They want to be able to help them as much as possible. But, you know, there's certainly challenges with growth as well. Exactly. I think that's uh, something that um, a lot of golfers, they, they do appreciate and understand what goes into operating a golf facility. Um, mm -hmm. But a lot of them, they, they, they book their tee time, they play their golf, and they have expectations of, I expect the greens to be this, I expect the tees to be this, I expect this, I expect that. And it's like, you know what, maybe if you just had a better understanding of what goes into their side of the business. Now, there are some that you know, frankly, don't give a crap one way or the other. And, sure. and it's not got nothing to do with whether they uh, have the staff to do it or otherwise, they just choose not to. Yep. Um, but for the most part, golf courses want golfers there and they want the golfers that are there to be extremely happy when they're there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, don't think that they're what anything that they're doing is to try to tick you off because it certainly is not the case. No, and, and we'll be sure to have some, uh, you know, some guests on uh, as we go through the shows that will explain a little bit more about some of those things that happen in the operations. And I think it's critical. A lot of times I talk to a lot of other uh, journalists uh, heavily active in the Golf Journalists Association of Canada and our board. And I think it's important sometimes for some of the people that are even working in the industry in that aspect of it, that media aspect, to maybe get into a shop and get behind the counter or, or maybe go out and, uh, you know, spend some time, uh, tr you know, following a superintendent to see what they do day to day yeah, exactly. and really appreciate it and, and get it away from what you think they do to what they actually do so you um, did that a while back for one of the articles of the magazine you did a day in the in the day in the life and i think you yeah, did that with eric ruse at, uh, at the hunt club and uh, yeah eyes and it, eyes open right <laughs> yeah a little a little bit more i mean it wasn't like it was unfamiliar with me uh no I, I your bell park days bell park days <laughs> dixon entrance uh i've spent uh 
think a total of four summers that I worked on grounds crews. So uh, pretty aware of what goes on. But again, that changes over time as well. Yeah. And it changes for the different operations. Different operations have different challenges. So yeah, you mentioned that the time spent with Eric Cruz going around the Ottawa Hunt Club, uh, you know, seeing their 27 hole operation from sunup to sundown. And the funny part with him is I remember getting there and I actually got there before him and he had a laugh because he thought there was no way I was actually going to get there before him, given that he was driving from Kingston to Ottawa. But there I was at whatever it was, 430 in the morning and, and I beat him. To That's the- hilarious. But yeah, it was good that way. But uh, yeah, so that's that's something we'll explore certainly more as we we work ahead in the show. Now, one of the things about the beginning of the season, and one of the things that you know, for us, the first issue of the year was was the hot picks issue, and mm, yeah. uh, you know, it was all about equipment, products, mm-hmm. what's going on. Um, <laughs> we didn't have a hot picks issue, nope. but. We've had lots of equipment uh, oh, stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's been no shortage of it since the PGA show in Orlando happened, uh, and even before that, and leading up to today and where we're at, there's been a lot of equipment stuff on the website. Now, um, we said right off the top that part of the regular feature of this podcast was going to be product watch, and, and the reason for that, obviously, is because we've got so much product to talk about. Um, who knows what's going to be in this product watch? It could be equipment, it could be products, it could be knickknacks, it could be could be just about anything. But uh, could be training uh, aids, could be books. Well, know. exactly. So, yeah. so I want to get into that. So, you know, without uh, without any further delay, here's the product watch uh, presented uh, to you by Greensmere Golf and Country Club. Save forty percent on all daily green fee rates with Flex Pass. Flex Pass for only four twenty five plus tax. Uh, visit greensmeargolf.com for more information. Come elevate your game at Greensmere. So, Scott, um, Product Watch, um, I think we're going to be talking about golf balls. Yeah, we are. I mean, uh, obviously, lots of new equipment comes out. I start to have a look, uh, I know, probably about, it used to be traditionally January, as you mentioned, the PGA show, but now the product cycles have changed a lot. In fact, some manufacturers will bring out new products you know, in the middle of the year, uh, supply chain things have changed the timing as well. In general, though, uh, we'll be talking about, I'll, I'll be looking at products kind of October, November, December, things that are going to be coming out in January, March, uh, getting sort of insight, talking to product directors, engineers, all sorts of things, trying to keep it straight because there are so many products that come out. And But that's a great thing as well, because you know, golfers are, um, you know, they have their own way of doing things. You like certain things. I like certain things. Every single golfer is different. So no piece of equipment is perfect for everyone. Uh, and that's why we have the variety, which makes it great. And when it comes to golf balls, certainly there's a lot more on the market than there previously were. We see more brands out there. We also see brands sort of exploring different markets as well and realizing that there is a demand. So uh, one golf ball that came out two years ago and there was a new version of it was uh, TaylorMade came out with a golf ball called the Tour Response and the Soft Response, which has basically provided uh, a more mid to slightly higher level golf ball just under their premium TP5 and TP5X products that had a lot of the features of it. A little short on maybe things like spin, didn't have maximum amount of spin, but you know, no shortage of performance for golfers at a slightly lower rate. And uh, what they've done this year is they brought out three new golf balls. And in that response family, they brought out a tour response, a soft response, and a tour response 
strike, which is probably the most interesting one. And we'll get to that in a minute. I've got one right here. uh, So we can talk about that. Um, But what we're looking at here is that um, when we get the tour response, it is a urethane cover golf ball. And urethane is used uh, in the most premium of golf balls. They're TP5, they're TP5X, for an example. Very thin cover, gives it a soft feel uh, in cooperation with the core, but it also helps increase the spin rates as well. And what they've done with this golf ball, the new tour response, is they've made the cover even softer than the previous one, about 12%. Uh, and they've also made the cover material a little bit more flexible. It's about a 70 compression ball. Although seven compression is really not important as far as distance or whatever. Yeah. It's just a rating as far as feel is concerned. Um, but this allows golfers to kind of get a, um, a higher level golf ball, something that sells for kind of around $45.99. Um, when I tested it for spin rates, let's say a stock wedge that would be 9,000 RPMs, you might get 7,800. So it's not quite as much spin as you would see on the short game, but you're not losing much on the long game as well. And, you know, frankly, that might be a good fit for for some golfers. Uh, So that tour response came out. The soft response is basically a really softer golf ball. I think the compression is only about 50, uh, really designed for that moderate swing speed player. Better price point even as well, around $34.99, using the ionomer cover, not a urethane cover. So it doesn't quite have the same response in this feel, but for a golfer that maybe goes through golf balls a little bit more, you know, they can, they kind of, you know, price becomes a factor on top of just performance. But the key one in all that is the tour response stripe. So the tour response stripe is basically the tour response golf ball with a very unique cover configuration. So you'll see it there. It is a 22 millimeter stripe that works around the golf ball. Also has an alignment line that's kind of in the middle of it. Very easy to see, easy to line up quickly, which is important for a lot of players. And they're trying to get on the putting green and and see how they're going to line it up. Also, when you're putting, you can see that line is very visible. Uh, even if you're chipping, it's very visible as far as how much the golf ball is not spinning, you know, straight backwards with, you know, no tilt versus something that's tilted this way because you've, you've got your face and path kind of going off a little bit. So it provides some real visual cues. Again, not for everyone. Easier to see. It's easier to spot as well, but it just provides an option. Um, you know, some golfers just want some visibility. I mean, these balls are available in, in kind of yellow colors. Uh, as well uh, for even a greater amount of visibility as far as just the uh, the plain version of it, not the stripe version of it. Um, but again, it's just a nice option from TaylorMade um, at a price point that's a little bit more affordable as well. So what are your thoughts on that? Ray? Well, I tell you, that? well, that's very, the stripe is a very uh, unique design, but I wanted to go back to something that you were talking about there with the, you know, with the tour response ball, uh, being sort of a step down from the from the uh, uh, TP5 and the TP5X. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, going way back, there was such a, dis- a, a difference or, a, a, you know, a, a gap between right. the player's ball, uh, yeah. which, you know, going back to Tour Balladas and even back with the Pro V1, there yeah. was a bigger gap between the higher level ball and the next ball down for people right. as far as yeah. the quality of the materials that we used to make the ball. And, yeah. you know, for the for that sort of, average player that didn't mm. want to spend 65 or $70 on a dozen balls, but right. didn't want to play something that was hard, hard rock ball. Right. Like back in the day, a pinnacle yeah. gold was a, a distance ball. It was like, right. you know, to hit for, it really and now you're no, seeing that no, no softness and feel and no. really very, very low. Spin. Yeah. It was either, it was either you, you paid the big bucks and you got this, 
or yeah. you paid the smaller bucks and got the 15 pack or the 18 pack of this, but the performance yeah. of this, the lower end ball for chipping and putting was much lower, but it was a cheap ball. Now yeah. you're finding that price point ball in the middle or even closer to the top end that's not overly expensive and has a lot of the characteristics of those top right. end balls but you don't have to play the top end ball if you don't want to. So that, that, and that's not something new this year. It's something that's been no. going on for a while, but it's just, you know, when you're talking about the tour response and, and I'm looking at the, the specs and the stats and stuff on yeah. the balls and thinking they're not that far off from one another, but yes, if you want, if you're a better player and you really want the, the, the best performing ball for your game, you're going to have to go with a TP five or a TP five X ball in, in the, in the tailor-made family. Um, but if you're not, you know, as focused on that, you can yeah. get the quality and the performance without spend yeah. without getting the high end ball. Yeah, and we should say as well. And I think I misquoted the pricing. I think it's forty nine ninety nine on the on the tour response. But uh, we should say when you go through a fitting process as well with a high quality fitter, uh, not only are you fitting your golf equipment, you're actually fitting your golf ball as well. Mm -hmm. So in essence, though, we could actually find some golfers. Uh, maybe it's a golfer who delivers a little bit too much loft and they create too much spin. They might find this golf ball performs better Possibly. for them. So so the thing is, is that you know while while the top level golf balls from a company don't provide any compromises more than anything and maxes out everything that they deliver uh, in some essence when you look at the fitting aspect of it you could find something within there that actually fits that player better and people should bring that into mind when they're thinking even about their golf equipment as well just because the club is the newest the latest the highest level that a company brings out it may not always be the most suitable for you so you know I, I think the biggest thing is you know trial packs are really important Mm -hmm. uh, look at these golf balls, you know, look at a trial pack, uh, you know, a two ball pack of going out and testing these golf balls, seeing how they perform with for you, uh, especially around the short game and see how they match up with your three quarter shots, your, you know, your full shots as far as your wedges, then into your iron shots and then your driver shots as well. And uh, I think sometimes, you, and, you know, and bringing in the factor of alignment and visibility, lots of different things. And as we said, right off the top, so many different factors play in there. I mean, I might not play that ball, but you might play that ball or one other ball or whatever, just because you like a certain feature of it more than anything else. So, and that doesn't make it wrong. It just means it's right for you. Exactly. I mean, and now getting onto the stripe part of it, um, I'd have to, I'd have to see that ball up close a little more often and maybe, maybe hit some putts. <laughs> so you can hold it up to the camera as close as you yeah. want. It's not, it's not looking any different. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very unique looking, um, yeah. and its functionality is definitely something that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. and, and again, it's, it's an acquired taste. Um, and it should point out to people, if you're not, if you're listening and not watching on, on YouTube, this is a reason why you should be watching on oh, YouTube yeah, exactly. if you can, because yeah. you're, you're not going to see some of the stuff that, that, that goes on, uh, during the podcast that you may be hearing going, oh, what is he showing? What is he? Yeah. 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 You know, sure. subscribe yeah. to the YouTube channel. If you yeah. want to get the, if you want to get yeah. the, the extras, we'll call them that, uh, that you don't uh, see on the audio version of the podcast. So, uh, um, yeah. no, it's excellent. And, and, you know, and that's, that's, that's a great ball by TaylorMade. And, uh, you know, it's just one of the, you know, God knows how many products, uh, will, be able to to feature and bring on the podcast over the course of uh, of uh, you know the next X number of episodes that we do this year, however many that happens to be. But, uh, yeah. Well, um, the good part the good part is too, you know, um, you know, I enjoy testing this stuff. 
Um, you know, I've got the capability. I've got a simulator that I have access to. Um, yes, you do. That I, can, that I can test stuff out. I'm not trying to rub that into you. Um, but okay, it's okay. It's it. it, it you know, I'm okay with it. It's all right. <laughs> but able to look at this product and see how it reacts. And the hard part is all the time as well is, you know, even though we've tried to look at it over the years, um, you know, this is me testing it for me under my conditions, right? Yes. Um, that could be different for another golfer. So I'm never going to definitively say this is the golf ball for this person. I can tell you the characteristics of it and you can see how that suits is suitable for you, but I'm never going to say this is the number one golf ball for a mid handicap golfer. Anybody that says that exactly. totally off. It, it, it really is an individual thing. Um, all the testing aspect does is just gives me some more information that I can relate to you much like I could say as far as the spin rate or the feel if somebody asked me, oh, what's that golf ball feel like versus that? Well, off of this club, it felt like this for me, you might have to try that for yourself. So um, that's another good aspect for the product watch stuff. We'll continue to test products yeah. uh, and provide that. It's still a subjective feedback, but it is feedback. And hopefully that helps out people. And visually, um, yeah, if they're not watching on the YouTube channel, I'll try to get some <laughs> of the clips and I'll try to get some of that stuff up on our Instagram uh, and Twitter as well. If you want to follow us there. And obviously we have stuff up on flagstick.com on the website for, for stories and stuff that will have visuals of those products. Perfect. All right. Um, well, that's, uh, you know, the product watch segment for, for this episode. Um, now. You know, another aspect of, of the game is is getting better and, and improving. And and it would be uh, I think I think it wouldn't be much of a podcast if we didn't have some some type of, uh, you know, golf instruction tip and, uh, you know, and what have you. And, you know, when I first mentioned that we were going this direction to uh, to our good friend, Kevin Haim, uh, you know, Kevin's been a very longtime supporter from an instruction and from a, as a marketing partner with us, but, uh, you know, particularly from an instruction perspective, Kevin has always provided uh, a great amount of content for the website. He's done, you know, the big uh, feature instructions in the magazine over the last 25 years, the regular feature instruction tips for 25 years. We did the 25th anniversary video tip series last year and, and he and his son, Jake were, heavily involved in revisiting many of the, the best tips that we've done over the, the 25 years. So when I mentioned to him that we were going to be doing this, you know, lesson T instruction feature on the podcast, and he was like, okay, when do you want to do it? Like, let, let's get at this. And, uh, you know, what do you need from me? What can I provide? And, and he was, you know, he's all in from day one, uh, which has been, you know, the story of, you know, yeah, there's lots of PGA professionals out there and lots of guys that, you know, you know, can can teach and submit instruction to us but the thing with kevin is he's always you know you need 40 tips fine uh, let's do 40 tips and and he has you know he videos them himself uh, a lot he has a crew that comes in and does that stuff and is very professionally done and and he's always been a huge supporter of ours so we're we're glad that he's on board uh with the uh, with uh, the instruction side of what we're doing so you know with that you know let's let's get to you know, let's get to helping people with their golf game a little bit on the podcast. And and uh, in this episode, Kevin's going to be using a frisbee to uh, uh, to help us out with uh, with our body motion a little bit. So uh, let's get to the lesson to you with uh, the Kevin Haim Golf School. Uh, it's always the right time to play better. Whether you need private lessons, a better short game, some putting help, or even uh, custom club fitting, uh, you can visit kevinheim.com and remember that uh, better golf is a lot more fun. So uh, let's head out to the lesson tee with Kevin and see what he's got to say and uh, see what he's going to do with this frisbee. 
All right, golfers, this is one of my favorite comparisons when teaching golf, throwing a Frisbee. In golf, your body does not swing. That's called a sway or a tilt, and we don't want any of that in golf. What we want is the body to wind into itself or coil like a big spring and then release. And in my mind, at least years ago when I came up with this, this was my favorite comparison. The idea of turning the chest back, feeling the weight go to that back leg to throw this frisbee. Golf, just like throwing a frisbee, is a back load through unwind type of motion. It is not a lift or a swaying type of motion. Next time you're practicing here at the Kevin Haim Golf Center, think about the idea of a frisbee and how we turn into the back leg and then release out of it. All right, well, if you didn't know that a frisbee could be used for more than uh, just tossing it around with your dog, uh, now you know uh, how you can use a Frisbee to improve your body motion. So thanks very much to, to Kevin uh, for that. Now, Kevin's going to be doing uh, tips, you know, throughout the next 40 or so episodes. Uh, some of the tips will involve his son, Jake. Jake's really been uh, getting heavily involved in a lot of the video instruction and, and, and tips that Kevin has been doing. He was a big part of the ones, the anniversary ones last year. And I'm sure that as the season progresses and as we see more, uh, you know, tips from Kevin, uh, they'll involve Jake and, and Jake will be taking the reins on some of them as well. Now, the interesting thing about the Frisbee one is that lots of golf professionals use props to demonstrate, you know, different motions, different movements, different things in the golf swing. And they're not all traditional uh, training aids. Like there's yeah. lots of good training aids out there that are developed specifically for things. But, and Kevin has used, uh, you know, one of the biggest instruction features that Kevin did with us over the 25 years was the sports, uh, right. the sports uh, tip where he used baseball bats and tennis, and racket. tennis rackets and skates. Skate. And they get, like just hit golf Football. balls last year with the anniversary series. He actually hit video, hit a, a drive well over yeah. 250 with skates on. So, yeah. um, and he's used elastic bands to demonstrate winding up and, and, mm -hmm. you know, all kinds of things like that. So, um, so one thing I like about that tip there in particular is that you can grab a Frisbee, you can go in your backyard and you can work on that kind of thing. Right. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's something I know I incorporate as well in, in the instruction. I mean, some of the best, uh, we'll call it training aids. We'll get them at the dollar store more than anything. You really, all you're trying to do is you're trying to illustrate something to somebody to give them the feel of what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Uh, and that's sort of reinforcing that. So yeah, it's good to see as far as a drill like that, as far as the backswing and, and get, getting that feel. Uh, lots of different cool ways to go about it. And your imagination is always running wild going, <laughs> oh, what's available that I could use to, to do that? And I know I've, I've developed a big bag of tricks over the years, and it's just a bag full of all sorts of different things. And, you know, sometimes people think that, you know, a $30,000 launch monitor is the key to your instruction, but sometimes it's a $2 soft football. Um, you know, <laughs> exactly. they, can all, they can all play a role in, in instruction and helping a person get better. Great. Now, so we have the, the lesson to you will be a regular segment on, on the Fly Thick podcast. Uh, so make sure you tune in um, and, uh, you know, listen to those tips or watch those tips on YouTube uh, with each episode. I'm sure there'll be something that you'll be able to pick up in there that can help you out with your golf game. And obviously, if you're you want to, to see more tips, you can visit flagstick.com uh, or you can check out kevinhame.com as well, because he does have uh, a lot of tips, uh, quick tips and stuff up on his website. Scott McLeod, uh, we have we have uh, 
trekked a full 18 here. I think we've, uh, we have, we've made it to made it through to the end of episode one. Um, it certainly has been, uh, you know, you know, the butterflies disappeared about two minutes in, so that's a good thing. But I think we've covered a lot of really, uh, really great topics in this episode. And I think we've set up what we, you know, for the for the audience, what the podcast is going to be like, you know, as we move forward. And it's only going to get better as we sort of, you know, perfect our craft as we, so to speak, as we move on, move along here. Yeah, it's just the uh, it's just getting familiar with the format and how we're going to go about doing it. But, uh, you know, we've got lots of uh, lots of uh, great guests lined up, lots of thoughts for different products. Uh, Certainly, you know, we talk to a lot of people in the industry all the time, be it uh, equipment manufacturers, operators, uh, all aspects of the industry. And we're going to bring that to the show and our connection to those people to the show as well. Um, yeah, looking looking forward to it, and uh, maybe even for next week as well. I think uh, I think I've lined up maybe a a guest for next week to talk a little bit about uh, you know what's going on with maybe the golf pros in the region, and uh, also happens to be someone who's an operator as well, so we can talk about her experience and what's going on with her facility. So maybe we'll leave oh. that as a surprise for now. I like it. I like it. Let's keep the mystery in it. Well, that does it for episode one of the Flagstick Podcast. I want to make sure that we thank Greg Chambers for being our guest this week. Make sure that we thank our sponsors, Greensburg Golf and Country Club, Metcalf Golf Club, and of course, our presenting sponsor, TaylorMade Golf Canada. Make sure you check out the new stealth line of golf equipment at taylormadegolf.ca. Check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And don't forget about YouTube. Subscribe to us there, like us, click the little notification bell so that you get dropped every single episode as it happens. I am Jeff Botter. And I'm Scott McLeod. And always remember, go for the stick.